0: My name is Laurens Jacht, and welcome to Cybersecurity Talks, the interview podcast for cybersecurity professionals and for those who aspire to become one. And in this podcast, I interview industry experts and explore what it's like to work in the cybersecurity domain. Join us on our journey and learn about the latest trends, real-life war stories, and everything you need to know about this fascinating industry. Welcome back to another episode of Cybersecurity Talks. We're very excited to announce today's guest, Olaf Harton. Olaf is one of the co-founders of Falcon Force, where he acts as a security researcher and defense specialist. He's also a Microsoft MVP and specializes in understanding the attacker tradecraft and thereby improving detection. He has a varied background in blue and purple team operations, networking engineering, and security transformation projects. Before starting Falcon Force, Olaf worked for some major cybersecurity services companies such as SecureLink and Deloitte. Olaf, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. It's
0: a pleasure. We always start uh, the podcast with the same line of questions, so I, I want to start right away. What you need to know about me? What meal do you start your day with?
1: Oh, I recently switched to uh, cold oatmeal.
0: Cold, check. Android or iOS? iOS. What's your favorite phone app? Ooh,
1: that must be Twitter.
0: Working from home, office, or a mix?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a mix. Are you a gamer? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I have my stints. What do you like to play? Um, Still currently uh, Horizon and then the Forbidden West version. It's a really great game.
0: Nice. Laptop, desktop, server, or VM? uh,
1: Laptop and VMs. What's a guilty pleasure of yours? I don't know. Yeah, still photography, though. It's not really (laughs) naughty, but (laughs) it's still my passion. Could be. be. (laughs) Yeah, it it could be, definitely. (laughs) Cloud or on-prem?
0: Cloud. First word that comes to mind when I say cybersecurity. Big. And your password is? I don't know. <laughs> well-trained. Adam. Welcome to the show.
1: This is a public service announcement.
0: Do you want to work with the next generation of cybersecurity professionals? Or do you want to start a career in cybersecurity yourself? Then join us, because we're on a mission to close the cybersecurity talent gap. We started a new educational company called The Guardianship, here we train digital talent to become the next generation of cybersecurity professionals. For more information, go to theguardianship.nl. That is theguardianship.nl. Now let's get back to the episode.
1: The Beginnings.
0: I would like to start a bit at the beginning because I was triggered. It seemed like you're a bit of a, a daredevil or a risk taker. Also with the, leaving the big four and starting your, your own business. But I think early in your great career, uh, career if i heard correctly you also have a steady job at the the nos it's a, the, the dutch broadcaster but you decide to sort of sell your house and pick up on a new study something completely different what's
1: what was that like yeah and how did parents didn't like that no, I think, can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they also know that if yeah if i really want something i'll go for it and i'll make it work and it it definitely wasn't always easy uh, because I had a stable income and a nice, comfortable house, and now I had to go back in a student room and and some other things, um, and definitely live off, off less money. But yeah, I was I wasn't fully happy, right? So so uh, if, yeah, I, I, if I think I can be happier in another way, I, I'm willing to make some sacrifices. And I think with dedication and and some self-reflection you can you can definitely get quite far yeah um and yeah i had great teachers at at art art school so they they also taught me a lot of things i was a, a huge introvert um, and probably s- still am but yeah they force you to basically get out there uh present yourself but it's a bold move back
0: then to to switch uh, yeah in a, a completely new career did you have the confirmation that you were talented, or was it just I, I'm a bit fed up with this job and uh, I think I want to try something new? Or did you feel like, okay, I I am gifted?
1: Well, I wouldn't call me gifted, but uh, I was I was a I was accepted in an art school that had a very rigorous acceptance policy, so there were a lot of people denied. So that was at least confirmation that I was good enough to go there. Yeah. So uh, that was pretty great for me because I, I think. The first portfolio review, they weren't as enthusiastic. So I did a lot of work during the summer, um, and then they accepted me. So that, and, and, and I did reasonably well, I wasn't, yeah. definitely wasn't the best student in my class or, or, uh, at all. Um, but I didn't really care. I, I had a great time. I did the stuff I liked. I am still proud of some of the work I did during that school uh so it's um yeah it was it was fun and it was for me a great um growing path like mentally but also like for my whole for my whole person so for
0: your whole career later on yeah and it's,
1: yeah. I, I still use it and i yeah i still f- take pictures of course yeah um but now just as a hobby
0: yeah, yeah I, I of course also want to talk about cyber security <laughs> but the last question because i think that world is also very interesting and you got to meet a lot of people and sometimes even famous people and it, it's also a s- specific scene. What's the, the project or the shoot that you, you find most memorable?
1: I th- yeah, I, I, I think the, the most memorable for me is um, my graduation project where I wanted to do um, sort of closed communities, do a story about a close community. So I, I, I tried to get in first, because I thought big, I wanted to get on a, a US uh, uh, aircraft carrier. Oh yeah, just to, because that's just like a small floating city; it's like thousands of people live on it. I think, I think like ten to twelve thousand people. As a Dutch citizen, they just laugh at you, um, because yeah, even as an American citizen, you're not allowed. So okay, then I tried the next best thing. So I contacted the Dutch Navy, which also has quite a, at least back then had a, quite a. A big fleet of, uh, of frigates. Um, and they, they actually let me on board. So, so I, I got, uh, permission to go on, on board on the, the training mission before they went to Somalia, uh, where they were, um, um, basically fighting pirates. That was still a thing back then. Um, and that was, that was amazing. So, so I, I got on board for over a month, over couple of weeks time so I uh, once one week and once two weeks and another week and we went uh, on to the Atlantic Ocean and just a bit, a bit around Europe where they did all kinds of training exercises yeah, that's cool so everybody's super social and I was there as a uh, yeah, as a citizen um or a civilian um, and that that was already super rare I think I was one of the first that was allowed to do that uh, apart from the people that they employ to do it um, and everybody was super interested and just wanted to talk to me, so I got all the opportunities yeah. to do and I could move around freely I could basically go everywhere uh could do whatever i like and and it was yeah it was very very interesting to see uh them uh being so close to each other mm-hmm. and actually very social um and also during the off days it was very interesting i I couldn't take pictures then because that was also the time when the Dutch Navy was in the news quite a couple of times for all kinds of fights in bars throughout yeah. the world. So I wasn't allowed to picture them uh drinking, which they of course did heavily. Um uh, and, uh it was a lot of fun. But um yeah, that I think that's the most memorable one, especially because it was so long and and yeah. and, and 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 yeah, actually uh eye-opening. Yeah, very
0: interesting. Yeah. Cool. Eventually, as as you already uh, described, the financial crisis uh, hit a lot of people, and and uh, you decide to sort of go back into the the IT world that you initially started your career. And how did that feel? Was it uh, in a way uh, a disappointment, or did you also feel like okay, let's uh, let's pick this up again?
1: Well, I, I first had the in- in- intention of doing it temporarily so let's do it for two or three years just to build up some savings again and then go back into photography but um yeah that didn't obviously obviously didn't happen but it's it's i i I don't regret it at all i think at that time that was the the safe choice so to say i I was i was still doing okay-ish but i was struggling a little bit probably um Wasn't doing enough as well. If I look at it from my current perspective, I could have probably engaged with more companies and tried to get more work. But it was a it was a tough time, and everybody was basically yeah, racing to the bottom in terms of uh, rates as well. So uh, where you would get uh, a certain amount, you only would get a quarter of that, and then you had to do so much additional work. So it didn't all it didn't feel like nice work anymore it was like more of a a real struggle you had to work so much harder for the same that i figured okay i can i can still do that other thing let's see if 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 it works out Um, and and yeah i I got a couple of opportunities uh, fortunately to to uh, find my own path there and that that turned out great Uh, so no no I, i i never looked at anything in the, in these kind of switches uh, with, with regrets or anything like that. I think it, it always brings you something, even though it might not be the one, the thing you want, um, you learn from it. Uh, I also, that, that, that from that hosting company, I moved to a company, um, uh, SecureLink, which wasn't the company for me because they, they worked in a direction that I didn't like. So I had to move to, uh, to another company after a while. But still i learned a lot of great things there. they were very structured in their in their project management and and some of the other aspects which yeah which are still useful later on so it's never a loss i think
0: i'm interested to learn more about deloitte because eventually you decide to leave and i think this is around 2016 more or less that you decide to leave securelink and and join deloitte yeah what was the reason for this change
1: well i think the primary reason for me was that uh, that uh, Deloitte was focusing on a broader perspective, the whole cybersecurity field. And they portray themselves as it's quite mature in that. Um, so I was, yeah, that was appealing to me. I wanted to grow a little bit. Um, and I didn't feel at the current job I had that I had that same opportunity. So I reached out to to Deloitte uh, recruitment and basically checked um yeah, if they would have me, um, and they did, so that was great. And I, I yeah, I started working there uh, in their uh, first in their internal or in their SOC. So they have a managed SOC service, a uh, security operations center, where they monitor the, yeah, basically the, their clients. Um, and at first, I, I started working on that on that team, and then later on, I, I broadened uh, internally to to other uh, aspects in more. Advisory roles, incident response, threat hunting, these kind of things, and that's that's also why I moved there, is because it's such a big firm. There's there's more opportunities there to grow and to diversify, to find your sweet spot, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I did, yeah, I did that for a couple of years, uh, and then after a while, uh, it started itching a little bit again that working at a, gr- a big firm has a lot of opportunities and a lot of advantages but also some disadvantages because usually a lot of things are determined or organically grown in a certain way um and i yeah i used to be self-employed for quite a long time as a photographer so i knew how it was also from the other side to basically choose your own direction yeah basically determine who you work for who you don't work for what kind of work you do and these kind of things plus um as a senior manager within deloitte there, there uh, i also had less opportunities to go hands-on um, because of all kinds of reasons um, and i missed that so i wanted to do more hands-on work again Plus with the entrepreneurial ship that that I missed that was primary reason for me to start uh the, yeah, the new journey uh, later where we founded Falcon force
0: Falcon has landed and how how did this start this falcon force because i I've heard a lot of and different
1: it was an stories. interesting yeah, yeah I think everybody has their own, so, so my story was that i I I had that itch already, so I started looking around a little bit, uh, what I could do next, um, or at least thinking a little about it. I think uh, during coffee uh, at some point uh, with a, with a colleague, I was complaining a little bit, I guess, on on the current situation or something that I felt stuck, where I wanted to do something else. I I can't really recall what I said, and he was like, okay, well let's let's have dinner with a uh, we're having dinner a group of friends, maybe you should join and that basically sparked the whole discussion of starting this company and within a couple of follow-up dinners with uh, with them we decided to uh, to basically just try it
0: yeah because because for the maybe not all the listeners know falcon force but it was a group i think of eight people all working for deloitte netherlands back then that that uh, together decided to to start a, a new company outside of deloitte yeah, but, but I'm just curious how how long before you actually launched the company did these conversations started? Because you maybe started when the 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 first people already had the first conversation because you were asked yeah, for dinner. Yeah, I'm not dinner, sure,
1: right? So so I, I I don't I actually don't know. So the only thing I do know is that somewhere in July 2019 we started having those dinners, and in August we felt like we need to announce this to to the leadership because we we are committed to do this um and we were aware that we um weren't allowed just to do this because of course working at a company you have all kinds of non-compete and these kind of clauses so we wanted to figure out if there was a possibility of us doing this so we started talking and talking a little bit more and um after a while, we uh, we we came to a really nice uh, conclusion, uh, and they, yeah, they 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 handled it great. That's yeah. the only thing I can say. It's uh, it's very professionally done. But I'm curious, how,
0: how did you feel after the, the first dinner? So you invited, and then yeah, you see some other super folks. Super excited, of course. Yeah. It's like,
1: uh, hey, it's all, are all like-minded people, all the people I respected and looked up to and wanted to work with and worked with quite uh, quite regularly. So. It was like a warm bath. Like, yeah, okay, it was a very thing. natural fit. And, and to this day, everybody has their own little niche within the company. So we we complement each other in, in a lot of aspects. So there's one that's really good at finance and he also likes doing it. Uh, there's another one that's really good at project management. I like to do uh, a lot of the the blue stuff and some of the public speaking and some of the other things, blogging. Um and everybody has their own sweet spot. And and for some reason, they all fit together perfectly uh, so far. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure so far. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. But it's nice that that combines then sort of the, the cybersecurity field that you really like and the entrepreneurship again that, that, that is brought together. But for Deloitte, it must have been tough that that uh, like eight sort of the, the dream team, the solid also very senior people all of a sudden hand in sort of a notice and not just a notice but also say okay we're uh we're starting a perhaps competing firm
1: yeah i don't think they were super happy about it and i can and, and, and nor would i be uh, at the same point um the one of the responses also hey this this is not great uh for us but yeah, we we want to give you this opportunity. Basically, it was it was very um, uh, pragmatic and emotional at the same time. Yeah. No, but very cool that you guys
0: uh, decided to to uh, take the leap of faith. Uh, why did you call it Falcon Force?
1: Yeah, the question a couple of weeks ago. I, it, it was a probably the lengthiest discussion we had, where we had leg- lists of names and voting systems and. I think we ended up first with another name that I can't recall, but nobody was really psyched about it. And then all of a sudden during one of the phone calls we had, somebody blurted this out and everyone was like, yeah, this is it. It was was very random. Um, I think we had something with Force in our names before in the selection list. And then somebody came up with Falcon Force uh, and that immediately uh, resonated with everybody. So that was it. It was a very... It's it's yeah we wanted something short sort of powerful but not necessarily related to cyber, um so yeah that's why we came up with this uh, yeah I feel that a lot of cybersecurity
0: companies use something with an animal
1: yeah there's a lot of birds it turns yeah. out and, uh, if, and <laughs> there's a fox somewhere and <laughs> yeah that <laughs> too yeah, yeah yeah it's it's for some reason
0: mythical a, beings always I guess yeah. yeah. And something just popped into my mind because if you're with eight the, the founding fathers um is it difficult to come to an agreement <laughs>
1: Finally, no funnily uh, no there's 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 so far at least uh there's there's been consensus over everything usually very quick um sometimes we have an evening of a discussion but most of the time it's 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 actually ex- yeah it's, it's super simple um if yeah. somebody comes up with a good idea and can verbalize it well, uh, we all respect each other to probably assume that it's correct. And if not, somebody does the due diligence. But it's yeah, there's there's little to no discussion, and this is a question that we get a lot because yeah. so many founders is uh, uh, uncommon. Usually, it's one, two, four, maybe uh, we have seven. But still, it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. very smooth ride so far. And at some point, it it must. Get to a point where it becomes yeah. not as uh, smooth sail as it is right but it's um so, I far, don't think it's so far you had an amazing
0: journey like the, the company grew uh in in the dutch market basically every security professional has, has heard of you so so things that seem be to be great. going very well and then it's also easier to make decision because there's not that one of you is the the ceo or has a bigger voting right or bigger portion of there's, there's
1: three guys that do the, the daily operation so they are the board. um but every 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 major decision has to go through all of us so yeah. uh, they of course can can do a lot of things freely uh, with the, with the three of them um but the rest now there's no no formal ceo yet no cto no nothing yeah. we're equal from that perspective
0: and what was the the business plan when you guys started?
1: I'll probably butcher this if the people listen to it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but um, I, I think I think our our primary business plan was that we wanted to do projects that basically got our our fires burning internally. So what stuff that made us enthusiastic uh, from a technical perspective. So. Uh, All kinds of interesting pen tests, red teams, uh, incident response, uh, blue team engagements, uh, threat hunts, whatever. Um, We want to do fun projects that actually helped people. That was was the underlying thing. So we can do all kinds of projects, but we we want to contribute something at least to that company, but preferably also share that publicly. Um, And that's something we still try to do as much as we can, where we share knowledge share guidance uh to basically because the, the 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 field is young even though it feels old um and there's still a lot of people still trying to figure out how to do some of the basics um and we do a lot of research that we just like doing so why not share a lot of that as well so that somebody else doesn't have to do the same yeah and and spend the same time so they can do something else and hopefully share that too
0: but it's, it's straight from the gecko you started doing a lot of different types of assignments w- was was that also the luxury of having a diverse team because pen testing versus instant response uh versus blue teaming it, it's all very different
1: yeah that's true and i think i think that was also one of the reasons why we came together is is um we wanted to combine that for our clients as well so if we do a red team uh, which is basically attacking a company uh, with their uh, consent and and they ask us to do it as well Um, but that's not enough we can we can give them a report said hey we did this to you uh, good luck fixing it Uh, but we want to have more of a purple approach from that perspective but we also give the blue team guidance and sometimes even the detection rules to detect it next time just to get them a little bit faster up to speed and that they don't have to figure out what they could have done against it, uh, basically. Because usually the people working there are very busy, sometimes not always knowledgeable in all fields. Sometimes some person has five roles. uh, So they can't rely on these people only to fix it for them. So that's why they hire us. At least that's, that's our belief. So we wanted to give them as much information as we can. And it's also why we combined... Yeah. All those specialties to basically put that in to every project that we have.
0: Yeah. So you you straight from the beginning you were already one-stop shop?
1: Uh for, for that specific bit in the industry, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Nice. We wanted yeah. to uh to um yeah, there's there's a Dutch word for it, but I don't know at least but to relieve them of the burden to to figure out the whole thing themselves. Yeah, That's, and and where where do you start?
0: What what's the entry point? Because I with a lot of regular consultancy firms or services firms they start with oh let's do an audit and then from the audit they discover a lot of uh things but they also know we already have the solutions for the things we're going to
1: discover and yeah we don't like we we don't work that way i think we um we get approached by most of our clients still fortunately we have the luxury uh, so far that most people will find a way to to contact us which is amazing um and i think they they usually contact us with a specific ask already so they know we have an issue in this this or that or we want you to test x y or z because we have heard or know that you are good at that yeah so it's yeah it's a relatively simple answer to, <laughs> to that question i think and we we also don't want to uh for for most clients we we want to help them and then it's basically let them figure it out then after that and then if they need support later they can i don't wanna be stuck to a client for too long um but that's not' maybe that different I don't like them yeah yeah that's the sort of different. Times, they um, we we have one client where we do do that um. But that's small projects constantly, so it's changing every time, but we have a great relationship. But it's, most of the time, we do a project, we help them out, and then they can do it themselves, so they don't need it anymore. And I'd like to have that. Uh, yeah. Because that's yeah. there's so many companies that need help. I don't want to get stuck in, in one corner, yeah. because then I have that same problem that I alluded to earlier. And it's just... Yeah, and I think most of us uh, in the company have that. So we want to help as much people as we can. Yeah, I can also imagine
0: for you the that's also more challenging to go in a new sector, or a new type of company. Uh, while maybe with the regular consultancy firms, you want to be there for as long as possible and sort of upsell a little side project as well. Again,
1: yeah, but most most of the clients we currently have um are are also aware of that model, of course, because a lot of them have worked there or. Uh, have worked with them and for a lot of those for a lot of projects those companies are amazing they they have a lot of great stuff mm-hmm. for a lot of things but for the highly technical or the highly specialized things they try they we see we see big sh- shift in the last two uh, two years um and it's also how long we existed two and a half years but um we we get a lot of feedback from a lot of those cli- clients as well where they want to have those bigger firms for um, the, the more commoditized, it's not nice for them, but it's um, uh, that's not the way I mean it in a bad way. But the more the more repeatable the projects, and the highly technical specialty things, they usually t- tend to hire boutique firms, uh, the smaller ones that are more specialized in a certain field uh, to get that done the way they want it, um, because it's also hard for those bigger companies to hire talent that is specialized in all those. Yeah. issues yeah so there, there is a bit of shift going on i think and that's maybe a trend that will be there for always or that's usually those those 10-year movement things where people are outsourcing everything and they're insourcing again so but maybe it's um
0: a thing that you see in all sorts of industries that, that also with banks that you have the little fintech companies that yeah. do very niche very focused very technical work and then Companies recognize okay if you really want the technical expertise, then you need to go to the boutique firms to get that, and more and more boutique firms
1: pop up. Yeah, it's definitely a sign of the time where everything is is around choice. Uh, so every every thing is a new company, especially also with banks with the PSD two uh, standard that allowed them to basically connect to a bigger bank and do a a sort of different storefront. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's also a sign of the the same.
0: Red, blue, and purple team. And hey, You're um, a defensive specialist and a security researcher. Those are two uh, relatively vague and, and broad yeah. terms. Can, can you walk us yeah. through a day to day? Yeah, uh, or, or not a day to day, but can you explain what a, a regular day for you looks like?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I do. I do multiple things, but one of one of the things that applies to both is where. Uh, one of the things that we do is we build detection content for clients. So we build uh, a logic that detects based on a set of logs what if if something bad is going on in their environment. Um, and to be able to do that, uh, we we need to research basically how the attacker works. So we um, we have a big lab environment uh, where we basically build a small fake company. Um, and we'll attack that with the same attack techniques and some some different tools just to see how does it look from the attacker's perspective what they what what are they trying to do, and what steps do they need to take, how do they work? and from the other side is what does it look like in the logs so does my uh, my tooling actually provide the right logs to detect it? Can I build something around that to detect? Uh, bad from good these kind of things and then we start developing uh, some detection logic around it some documentation and that kind of stuff so that's where the research and the, uh, the defensive specialist bit comes together a little bit um, from another side we might do uh, a threat hunting engagement for our client, so we already did the research up front uh, for for similar behavior so look at the certain behavior of an attacker and see if that happens at a client's environment for instance um, so that that's part of the research but also we want to really understand the tooling that a client has so for instance uh, an, an EDR product and endpoint the detection and response product, which is basically uh, antivirus plus um, we want to understand where. Um, how does it make decisions? where does it get logs? how does it work uh, how can an attacker break it bypass it uh, uh, evade it these kind of things and that takes a lot of time but by knowing what it's good at and bad at we can we can help a client better understand okay this is where you're strong this is why you might need to build something else on top of it or get next or accept. That you don't have any visibility there, yeah. so that they at least know uh, where where the gaps are. Yeah, and is
0: the detection that could also be uh, uh, run as a service, but but that's not what you guys uh, want to do.
1: No, no, no. We w- um, uh, this is what I did in the past with uh, other companies, and this is um, it's it's a very difficult business to be in. It's it's fun, but it's something that that didn't. Th- uh appeal to us uh, yeah. we we want to do the research we want to be more of a knowledge house than than a service provider uh, because it's a very different uh, aspect uh, in the business to be in um, everybody in our team gets excited about researching taking apart something creating something and then we hand it over to companies that are better suited to uh, to deal with the results of it
0: yeah yeah i i understand sort of the the purple team approach when you explain it it like this yeah,
1: deeply yeah yeah Yeah, that's pretty cool it's a lot of fun i learn every day Um, and it's also fun to see uh, from the other perspective where a red team uh, a fully dedicated red teamer now also is building detection rules which also improves him again because he now knows basically what generically is visible for a company and and to make them even better after he exploited that Uh, so that's fun but also from the other perspective everybody makes assumptions right so i assume all kinds of things about red teamwork uh, they did the same about uh, about blue so so i've seen reports from from um, the past but also from competitors where they say you can just enable this this and that and then you can detect it but They never actually tried that in production and at skill that sometimes doesn't work and it breaks stuff or it's so, so much information that they can't deal with it or it's too expensive. So having, having both visibilities or both perspectives into one, into one dedicated team is great because then you can say, okay, you could do that, but it's very expensive. You could also do this, which is not as great, but it's probably more effective for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite unique to have that opportunity to already start with a, with a team where you can, can do the blue, the red, and then also the purple that that's, uh, I, I can imagine why you guys were all so excited to yeah. to kick off Yeah, and you started with eight and then I think eventually somebody left and how big
1: is the team now? Um, today we are 13 and I think in September number 14 is joining. Yeah. So we're growing. Um, we're yeah. We're, we're definitely growing. Um, sometimes it could be faster, but it's a, at the same time, it's it's also great because um, it's due to the slowness. We uh, yeah. We get to select. We're so we're selective regardless because we want somebody that really fits the team, the culture, but also has a certain amount of expertise. Yeah. Um, You're all pretty senior. Yeah. yeah yeah so far everybody's uh, very very senior in their field and that's that's what's making making it great because everybody gets to inspire mm-hmm. everybody and at such a small team it's also nice that everybody can work sort of independently uh, which hardly ever happens because usually we work at least in teams of two or more um, but it, that's kind of nice where everybody has uh, something to bring to the table and that it's definitely also true for junior people which will probably start hiring at some point but so far this has been very very nice uh, everybody yeah, inspires the rest yeah
0: how was it in the beginning because you're all pretty senior people at Deloitte therefore probably also making uh, a, a good salary then you all decide to yeah start <laughs> something new and there there's no
1: revenue guaranteed no, in the beginning, we um, we didn't know what to expect. We had very uh, low expectancies just to manage yourself. I think we even had the joke of uh, having to clean toilets and these kind of things if we had to. Fortunately, never came to that. Uh, but the first year was definitely a, a step back from uh, from our previous salaries. Um, and due to our sort of saving up. Uh, we also had a, a the second year uh, where we took it slow, um, but yeah, now it's yeah, we we've been doing great uh, quite quickly uh, actually. So yeah, in our first month, we already had some initial new clients. So it grew, it grew, grew quite rapidly um, and and above expectancy uh, to say the least. Yeah, how did your
0: previous experience helped you? That you said, okay, I was already working in IT and as a a network administrator. Then you decided to stop that, start a new study, sell the house, become a photographer. That's also something that's similar to doing this. You have a good salary and then stepping into the deep unknown and saying, okay, let's let's do
1: this again. Yeah, it was a bit more exciting this time because I've I have two kids now, a girlfriend, we we have a house. Um, so there's a lot more at stake um fortunately i also had some savings so i knew i could last for a while um, and i never really need to uh to uh to abuse that too much so we yeah we, we i had to plan a little bit more than the previous time because that was more yolo i think um but yeah we we also were confident enough that if it would fail uh i would probably have a job within a couple of uh, months at least so it w- it wasn't too big of a gamble. So at worst, I would have lost all my savings, uh, and was an experience richer and and had a new job somewhere else, or even maybe Deloitte would have taken me back. Um, so that yeah, it wasn't a huge risk. It's so a calculated to say. risk. Yeah, it's a calculated risk. Yeah, the worst the worst the worst thing that could have happened is I lost some money uh, and maybe some self respect. But that's uh, that's about it. So yeah it's, a, it's a but now you're better off yeah i'm i'm yeah i'm definitely uh in a nice place you know, yeah doing great work working with great people and having all kinds of nice clients so
0: yeah no i'm I'm very happy uh, for you and i love the entrepreneurial uh, steps you're you're willing to take at different stages in your life that's uh that's pretty cool yeah thank you. And what's next? Now you're with
1: thirteen. You before you stepped in, you said, "Yeah, we have to say no to clients now." Step slowly. Yeah, that, I don't like doing that. Yeah, I always try to squeeze somebody in, but it's at some point. Yeah, that if they want to have a big project, they have to wait, and that's something I don't like saying. um But it's also, yeah, it's the way it is. It's something we can't do, and I don't want to. I don't want to start mass hiring because we have asks. Uh, we want to. We want to keep it at this pace. If we find something. Or somebody we like and and it's a good fit then we'll hire that person yeah
0: but you want to keep that swat team mentality there
1: mostly yeah yeah this is what what drives us uh, and and gives us the great energy that we have to to provide what we do so yeah i definitely want to retain that so there's no there's no for me at least uh, no big plans of uh, getting to hundreds of people or if it happens it happens but but it's not a short-term thing
0: do you have sort of a, a moonshot or a three-year plan? <laughs> no. You're
1: all big no. four guys. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I think we're figuring it out as we go. We we have we have we want to do what we do, um, and yeah, there might be something new on the horizon next year where we go into a certain direction. But so far, yeah, as long as we keep getting the clients that we do have now, we're doing great. So there's no. No secret uh, uh, end goal or anything like that yet. Yet, yeah, yeah, it might come up, but it, so far, it's um, I, I, I'm very bad at, uh, at at planning far ahead. Uh, uh, she also learned from my sort of going all over. Uh, I, I kind of like just being where I am.
0: Now you are reached a point that you're considered maybe a veteran in the industry as you've, yeah. you've been around, you've been at multiple companies, seen a lot of clients. What keeps you up at night? So, so what are the, some of the concerns in the cybersecurity world?
1: I, th- I think there's still quite a lot of companies that don't have a realistic self-image there where they think they're doing great but they probably aren't. And that's and that's a concerning thing because there's the the the, the amount of education is is growing rapidly, but well, there's a lot of people working in the industry that have to uh, basically did everything as they assumed would be the best thing to do, um, and since nothing bad has happened, they also get a sort of false sense of confidence where they think, "Hey, I'm doing great because we're doing great," uh, but they might have been lucky, right? So that's. I think that the, um, the problem there is that, that these people also convey that message to management and they say, hey, okay, we're apparently fine. We don't have to invest additionally or um, all these kind of things. And then they might get it and then it's tumbling and everything is falling apart. And that doesn't need to happen. The only problem there is that they need to get assessed or tested or something like that. And then... Yeah, that's also a cost. So they probably don't want to do that. Okay. And there's not enough enough companies to actually do that well. So there's, um, I think the standards are still not great. They should be improved, and the documentation around it. And also Microsoft, for instance, is still lagging with uh, good standards in terms of hardening and security guidelines. And there, there's a lot of documentation out there, but it's not super easily accessible. I think that's still, uh, something we need to improve. And how would you incorporate it in, in Falcon Force? Yeah, I think, I think we're doing what we can from, from our own client's perspective or to our own clients where we try to guide them as much as we can. And if we know about the former client that they use a certain technology and we find something we'll notify them That's just that's just the simple things that we can do Uh, we try to blog some like obviously 65 hardening baselines these kind of things we've done in the past and at the same point i'm 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 actively talking to them about their edr and these kind of things where we find gaps and we notify them Um, But it's not always that they change it, right? Because we're a small company, uh, we're not uh, one of the Fortune uh, 100s that is complaining. So it doesn't always uh, stick. Uh, So sometimes we use some of our clients to also complain. Um, But it's, yeah, these kind of things, that's the only thing that we actually can try to contribute. And of course, we have a lot of back-channel conversation with Microsoft as well. But it's not always getting the right leverage uh, because that's also a big company, so they have marketing and they have all kinds of stakeholders, so sometimes there needs to be some more leverage. I don't think government is a, is a, is an answer I've, I've heard that discussion before, but that's not gonna be uh, no because a then then it becomes again an audit thing and we've seen in banks also that it is for certain things it helps, but for other things it it creates a t- paper tiger that nobody's waiting for so I, I'm hoping that we find a better way. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I also heard those discussions that we should have a, a minister for information protection. And uh,
1: Yeah, it's difficult. I'm not sure. That maybe they should lobby against the big vendors. That that should be great. But I don't want any laws or regulations in terms of... Because nobody can enforce it and then it becomes useless. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I get that. And what are some of your personal ambitions looking forward for for the next years to come picking up uh, the, fo- the photography again
1: yeah i i don't think i want to do that professionally i uh i recently bought a drone to uh to play with and to take pictures of my my new house that's being built um and i'm now taking it everywhere because it's actually a lot of fun to uh to get that different perspective so that that probably remains a hobby um I'm not sure I, I don't, I'm, I'm quite good in the, in the place I'm at. So I don't want to change too much.
0: Yeah. You seem like a, a happy man, a happy camper.
1: Yeah. I'm very happy.
0: Yeah. yeah great. um, yeah. Also looking at the clock, uh, we always like to end up with the last, uh, question that we ask every guest. And that is if there's one signal message that you can send to all the CISOs across the world,
1: yeah. What would that message say? I think be truthful to yourself and your board, and don't don't underestimate um, the power of words and how you should use them. Apart from that, that overconfidence in themselves or their team, I think the re- the realism to to also convey your uncertainties to uh, to a board. And I think a lot of people are afraid for their jobs or their credibility. Um, so they, they choose to use stronger language instead of the more sensitive or, or, uh, vulnerable languages. Um, I think, I think putting yourself out there is, is way more powerful to, if you're truthful, um, than saying something and being wrong because that, that hurts you and it will hurt you in the rest of your career. So, so yeah sincerity is is great of course you can't always do that because there's all kinds of political political reasons but try to be as close as you can uh, and i think i think people will respect you more and probably will listen to you earlier yeah and if it had to fit in one signal message <laughs> <Yeah>. in <the laughs> one tweet yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just, <laughs> give it a go yeah choose sincerity over your ego
0: no but this is uh this is nice yeah if people uh, want to find uh, more things about Falcon Force, uh, where
1: can they find you guys? Well, the easiest is to go to falconforce.nl. Um, we're also on Medium uh, with Falcon Force, uh, medium.com slash or we're at Falcon Force Team on Twitter. It, and if people want to see some cool photos
0: where where should oh, they go?
1: I took my website down. Yeah. so it's um I, I am on Instagram. I recently started again, so that's Olaf uh, Artung on Instagram. um and that that's probably the best uh, the best place, but all my old uh, work is uh, is not on there yet. So I'm slowly backfilling it. yeah, now yeah,
0: great. We'll check it out. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And good luck with Falcon first. I I know you guys have a good uh, future ahead of you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cybersecurity Talks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode with the latest trends, war stories, and exciting career anecdotes. If you enjoyed the show, please review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, could you do me one small favor? Could you please share this podcast with one friend that you think would like this show just as much as you do? Thank you. And for all further information, please go to csrecruitment.nl slash talks and subscribe to this podcast. We will be back with another exciting episode in just two weeks. So see you next time and stay safe.